Happy Thursday. It's that time again for some more missional community leader coaching notes. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's so goofy uh, trying to figure out how to start talking to you guys each week. So, you know, hey, maybe I'll just come up with something uh, absolutely ridiculous every single week and we'll go from there. Uh, to start, uh, thank you all for your continued faithful leadership. And it seems like the breakout uh, groups on Zoom are going pretty well. And, you know, we'll keep we'll keep rolling with them. Uh, announcement-y stuff beyond that uh, is this is uh, we'll take a few weeks off here for Doubt on Tap, for the book club. Um, a lot of the extra online stuff, uh, we'll, we'll wait until uh, after the new year to get back going again. And uh, yeah, hey, we'll, uh, we'll keep praying that uh, vaccines and things get rolled out real fast and we can get back to, to gathering as we normally would. So um, I think, I mean, I think that's about it. Uh, so, I mean, I guess... I guess let's let's jump into it, shall we? We are wrapping up uh, our study on James. Uh, we have we've we've done the whole book after this week. I'm not entirely sure where we're going next. Uh, we will I'll probably I uh, do a couple weeks on Christmas from the Book of Common Prayer and uh, you know their their standard uh, liturgy. There, just take a take those passages and and roll with that for a couple of weeks. Um, and and try to figure it out. Uh, I've got some ideas, but you know, if you guys have any thoughts of any particular books that you would like to work through, uh, let me know, and uh, we can we can you know we can take a look and, and possibly go there. Um, all right, so uh, here we go. James five thirteen through twenty goes like this: Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sin. All right. Uh, Fallen condition focus. We think we can handle everything on our own. Christ's redemptive purpose. Uh, Christ calls us into relationship with with himself and one another. Message big idea, heart, body, and soul. So um, again, I'm a big fan of the five big questions. So, uh, you know, would encourage you would encourage you to use them. Uh, you don't need to. Uh, there are additional uh, discussion questions at the bottom of the uh, of the notes. So uh, let's see. 
uh, verse 13, we hit the heart, right? Uh, is any of you, any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So James is in the closing of his letter, and he is calling folks to pray. He understands that prayer is the central means by which to engage the divine. Uh, notice that it's not the Bible, it's not the text, it's not the scriptures, it is prayer. The central means by which to engage with the divine is through prayer. So, uh, he, first he hits here on if you're in trouble, which could easily translate to suffering, and your response is to pray. Now, the trouble suffering here is all-inclusive. So if you're experiencing what you perceive to be suffering, then you are to pray. Let's not miss this. It's too important. Many people seek to diminish their personal pain because it doesn't seem like that big of a deal compared to someone else. The reality is that suffering, pain, trouble is not to be compared. Your suffering is as valid as any other's suffering. Okay? So consider the wide range of trouble, suffering in James. External, internal, oppression, economic hardship, illness, death of family. Uh, remember, he uses Job as an example of one who suffers. So what do you think it is about prayer that makes this so central for James as a response to trouble? I think it comes down to the reality that when we pray, we are doing a couple things. First, we slow down. When, when we slow down, we are able to breathe and find our center again. That center for the follower of Christ is Christ himself. Second, when we slow down, we are able to rest. Third, when we rest, we are able to see the big picture. Some will say, What's the difference between prayer and meditation? And the reality is, is not very much in practice, okay? But the focus of prayer is submitting, resting, yielding to Christ. Often the focus of meditation is centered on self by way of emptying. So, while physically, neurologically, prayer and meditation really aren't that different, uh, again, we get into this question of substance, of qualitative differences. Um, and when we, when we are praying with Christ as the center and coming under Christ and coming to Christ and yielding to Christ, what happens is we are able to move from a self-centered place. We're able to take our ego and set our ego aside. We're able to, to set aside uh, our selfish ambitions or uh, any, any of that way of thinking. We are being able, we're beginning to be able to set that aside and pick up something else. A Christ-centered focus, which is self-sacrifice, which is of self-giving, which is of you know um, subversive gracious love right? When we pray in the midst of our suffering, when we pray in the midst of our trouble, and we're able to take our, our minds and our focus off of self and onto Christ, it opens us up to the bigger picture. It opens us up to, um, to being able to come to a place of rest. And this is really where we want to be in the midst of suffering. We want to be able to rest in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trouble. 
all right, so what about when things are good? We sing. Singing songs of praise is a way for us to celebrate the good and the beautiful. We must not try to pull apart the songs of praise from prayer. They are peas in a pod, right? Singing joyful songs is just as much prayer as curling up on the floor and crying out to God. The same truths hold true uh, for singing joyfully as they do for prayer. Our joy, no matter how small in comparison to someone else's, is to be celebrated. Why? Because joy is not comparable in the same way as suffering is not comparable. And I think we miss this. I, I, I think too often we, we ignore joy. We don't celebrate enough. We don't party enough. We, 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 it's like we think that um, joy is almost something to be ashamed of. But our joy is to be celebrated. Big, small, doesn't matter. Let us celebrate. Let's, let's embrace it. Let's party. <laughs> and, and we do that by singing songs of praise. Now, you know, do you have to literally sing songs? No, you don't have to literally sing songs if that's not you. Um, but it's okay. It's okay to sing. It's good to sing. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of the hardest parts about having musicians with our missional community is, is that we don't sing enough together and we need to sing more. Now, the beauty in all of this is that there is room for all the feelings. Too much of American evangelicalism has tried to mangle feelings. On the one hand, you have one wing that says emotions are bad and evil, and on the other, you have a wing that says emotion is all that matters. The truth as usual is in the middle. Our emotions are to be fully experienced. They matter. So we pray and we sing, and we are able to bring the fullness of who we are to the presence of the living God. All of yourself, all of who you are, every bit, every part, it's all good to bring to God. You do not have to hide who you are, any of yourself. Doubt, fear, hurt, longing, suffering, joy, happiness, elation, celebration, it all gets to come. It all gets to come. And you get to, you get to bring all of that to the community. We need all of who we all are. And that's really, I think that's what this, this, this verse really gets us to, is that we, we bring all of ourselves, all of our emotions, all of our feelings, everything. So now if, if verse 13 is focused on the soul, verses 14 through 15 um, point us to the physical body, right? So 13 is the internal reality of the follower, follower of Jesus, 14 and 15, the physical reality. The Christian faith is to be embodied. And as a result, it is not to be ignored in our prayer life. Though there is a significant difference between uh, 13 and 14 through 15, in the nature of prayer, right? Don't don't miss it. It's it's an important um, it's an important distinction. Uh, Thirteen is you know as we deal with our personal suffering with our personal troubles, um, you know there, there's we we are just simply called to pray. But when there's illness, when there's when we're physically ill. Uh, we are to call the elders to pray over us and anoint with oil. Now, there's a lot here in these in these couple of verses, right? Um, 
in uh, in 14 and 15. Uh, these there's been a lot of ink spilled, um, so let's let's just try to unpack some of it. First, anointing with oil is most likely a ritual. Oil was a symbol of well-being in the first century and of blessing. So the anointing of oil is ritualistic, embodied, physical application of blessing on the person. There's no power in the oil, right? Um, if you're sick and you just dump some you know, olive oil on your, on your forehead, you're probably not going to get better. Um, but there is something, there is something about... Uh, the application of the oil as as a ritual, as that physical embodied touch to a person um, that brings blessing that that in some ways just just touch in of itself uh, can can bring healing and we're getting a full taste of that right now, aren't we? Where so many of us, um, many people are, are going without touch, are going without hugs, are going without handshakes and high fives. The longing there, the, the pain there is, is, is tough. Second, there is a certainty to James's approach here regarding the prayer of the elders in faith. There is, the, there is not a statement of may or possibility, but there is a statement of certainty that the prayer offered in faith will make the person well. So what do we make of it when people don't get well? Was the elders' faith too weak? Did the, did the elders not pray in faith? I don't know. None of us do. The reality is that the prayer offered in faith must yield to the secret sovereign will of God. There is a mystery here, and we can lean into it. What we can know for sure is that James makes it clear that the question of faith would definitely not be on the part of the person who is sick. A sick person is never to blame for not getting well. What is interesting are some of the subtle shifts James makes within this teaching. Notice, that connected with make the sick well is the statement that the Lord will raise them up and they will be forgiven. It appears that James is aware that there is more going on than meets the eye. This is often the case when we run into questions like this in the text. Very often we find that perhaps there is something more happening than we are aware of, something deeper, something beyond the surface. I think that we that what we have here is the recognition that our body and soul are not divided into separate entities but that the body-soul is interconnected in such a way that praying for the one impacts the other. Not only that, but there is a significant communal aspect to healing. We need one another. This is not a separate, distinct kind of thing, right? You are called when you are ill, when you are sick. You are called to bring it to the community, to bring it to the elders. And they come and they pray for you. And they care for you. And they love you. We, we need to probably, um, as I think as the people of God, we need to be a little more intentional about that. Um, so that this might be, a, might be a good place for some discussion, right? Uh, and, and then the third part, 16 through 20, our souls. The letter closes with a call to community for the sake of our souls. As much as we want healing from the physical issues that beset us, we need healing of our souls. That healing can only be done in the context of community. The righteousness that we desperately need, the righteousness that makes prayer powerful and effective, comes about by being in deep and meaningful relationships with one another. 
Notice that the purpose of confessing our sin with one another is for the purpose of helping one another stay on the path. The way, Jesus said, is narrow. As we seek to walk in the way, it will be very difficult, if not impossible to do on our own. So we desperately need authentic and real community. The point of confessing is to open our true selves to one another. A community can only be as authentic as each member of it is authentic. Now let's be clear. The text isn't saying that we should get on Zoom and dump our sin. It is saying that we need people to entrust our hearts and souls with. As we do, we can pursue righteousness, the right way of living that displays the heart of God. This is the heart of the letter, the pursuit of righteousness. We've traveled all this way to come to the conclusion that to practice pure and undefiled religion, to find humility and live a righteous life, what we need more than anything else is one another. We need to open our lives to one another in real and true ways. So there it is. At the end of the day, to live, to live the Christ life, to live the Christ's way, to live a pure and undefiled, righteous life demands that we come together, demands that we live as the body, demands that we embrace one another. <laughs> Heart, body, and soul. This, this is what really the letter is all about. So, uh, that's that's it. That's jet. That's that's the letter of James, guys. Uh, we've made it. We've done it. And uh, boy, I hope it's I hope it's been helpful. I know it's it's challenged me in a lot of ways. So, um, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, feelings, fears, other things that you need uh, input on uh, from this passage or or anything else, please let me know. And I will be sure to include that in future podcasts. But uh, as you study, as you prepare and you have questions, definitely reach out to me, all right? Uh, until So until uh, I talk to you probably on Sunday, love well, my friends.